0: big day. Big. Huge. It's been a long time coming. A lot of emails from you all out there going, hey, when are you gonna? A lot of like, hey, when you meet us in person. Hey, when are you gonna? We're gonna. All right, here's what we're gonna do, everybody. Wait. Welcome, everyone, to Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Procup, a romance reader and editor. And this is the banter portion of the episode okay everybody here's what it is we're gonna do i'm very excited about it i'm just like uh, we are launching a patreon yay Yay! (laughs) okay so here's the deal one of the things that i think we had counted on for years is that we could interact with our listeners through social media and now that twitter is a sinking ship as soon as that happened, we were like, okay, this is really an unsustainable model and we wanted to have different ways to talk to our listeners. And so once we started talking about a Discord, along with that comes a Patreon. Like right, so we and you know, people have asked us about that for years too. Like, why don't you all have a Patreon? And we just kind of like, eh, we don't, because we don't, but now we will. We're launching a Discord, a Fade Maids Discord, and I think that's probably the most exciting part of the whole thing, where Magnificent Firebirds from around the globe will be able to hang out and talk about the great books that you recommend, get book recommendations from each other, talk about romance in general, and like tropes and interstitials, talk about the episodes as they come out, um, and then also ask questions, you know, ask for interstitial topics. It'll just give us an opportunity to hear from you all more. I gotta say, aside from Twitter going, you know, down the tubes, this is also about our incredible joy, yes, in experiencing Theta Mates Live, yeah, which so many of you came to and so many of you have not been able to come to. And I just can't say enough how awesome it is to be in a room full of all of you interacting with us. One of the things that Eric and I were talking about the other day was how fun it is for us when we for you and I when when we're talking at Fata maid's Live and somebody from the audience yes. shouts something out and like it feels like suddenly there's there's a whole there are thousands and thousands of you out there and it's amazing and we want you all to be somewhere where we can you can shout at us Yes. online. right. Well, and exactly. So many people say like, I listened to the episode and I have so many things I want to say. So here is then the place that we can like say them. And also like find other people. The best part about Fated Mates Live is when people come by themselves and then like meet other firebirds while they're there. It's so fun. So the Discord is like Obviously, the biggest piece of the puzzle. So you can head over and join the Discord. Obviously, we want to make sure that it's uh, limited in some way to Fated Mates listeners so that, you know, you all have a safe space to talk about what we're talking about on the podcast. So, uh, you know, small amount gets you into the Discord and also gives you access to what we are affectionately referring to as Banter Plus. So we will also have a an extra episode every month that is literally just us bantering about whatever. Jen's keeping notes. I'm keeping notes of topics uh, that we could banter about in On future episodes. On several occasions, I have started to tell her a story. And then she has been like, no. Banter plus. We're adding that to banter plus. So I just have to hold it for two months. And the truth is, I'm not sure I'll remember then. But that's what the list is for, Sarah. I'll make it up then. So listen, here's the way the the Patreon's going to work we just want every one of our listeners to have access to the same stuff right and so you just get to pick the amount that is right for you there's no difference to us if you are a five dollar a month listener or a Derek craven would spend fifty dollars a month listener (laughs) i'm sorry i'm saying there is a special thing you get if you pick that one fine (laughs) we support you everybody supporting (laughs) us um so, you know, there's no reason if you if five dollars a month is what you can afford, then you get the same stuff as everybody else. So you're just picking based on like what is right for you. So we like went round and around about that. But I think we feel really good about that being like kind of where we're landing. Wait, what else do they get? They get. So we have some other stuff. Access to giveaways. If you give us your mailing address. It's possible someday you'll get something in the mail from us. Right. um, And we're looking right now, one of the things that will be forthcoming will be some faded Mites merchandise, meaning like T-shirts and tote bags and stuff. That is still something that is under construction. We are trying to find like basically what we want is the best possible quality stuff. We're being really picky. I'll say there have been a number of T-shirts that have come through here that we have that have not passed muster, not, yeah. everyone. So. <laughs> The perfect is the enemy of the good. We just really want to get the Discord started and have people be able to listen to that banter episode. And you'll also have early access to tickets to future Fated Mates lives, of which we literally were just discussing the next one. And, you know, the ability to just, you know, kind of ask us questions, be in the Discord, all that good stuff. So, you know, we're starting off simple to see how it goes. And this is like a journey we really want you to come on with us. But as always, the podcast is free, right? Like nothing will change about this experience. And so we just really want to say like we value all of our listeners. If you are a person who really wants like that opportunity to talk to other listeners and listen to an extra banter episode, we have something for you. And if you're just like, no, I just want these two dummies appearing on in on my podcast app every week, that is still going to happen with no changes. So, um, you know, this podcast is still free. Anyway, we hope to see you there at Discord. Uh, we, um, You can find all that information at ThetaMates.net slash Patreon. Um, or you can click in show notes or right on your podcasting app right now if your podcasting app has that clickable. Yeah. Or even just go to Patreon and search Faded Mates and we should show up. So it's also probably on Instagram and Twitter by now, everyone. Well, it depends. If you're like listening the second it drops, you're gonna have to go searching. Marielle is gonna have to. Or if you're in Europe, you know, I mean it's fine. If you're in the future. You're in the future. I'm still sleeping. Probably not, but okay. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for your support for these five years. We have loved having you as listeners, and, you know, we think we've done so much cool stuff together as a community, so we think this is just a way to keep that community going, right? Correct. Look, same great podcast, same great taste today. We're doing a deep dive of a book that, honestly, I finished about an hour ago for the, you know fourth or fifth time and it is just a banger every damn time Jen it is it is Her Best Worst Mistake by Sarah Mayberry and it is gosh what a read it is so fun it I have we have talked about this pod this book on the podcast before because I stay and I stand by it it is one of the best enemies lovers romances I've ever read because it has that joy, a true enemies to lovers romance has that sizzle from the very start of like, these people hate each other so much that it must be because they're destined for each other. Oh, completely. Now, I actually think that I feel like I've spent a lot of time thinking about this book today and I I thought a lot about the craft, right, of a great romance novel in this one because... It's doing so many things that are so interesting. Now, this book is 10 years old, everybody, right? It is from 2012, and it is also very short. I mean, it's 170 pages. It's a novella base. It's like a long novel, a long novella, rather. And it is also almost entirely, like, we've talked about, like, kind of romance in a phone booth, right? Mm -hmm. Where it is just the characters. Mm Mm-hmm. That is essentially the other thing that's really fascinating when I was rereading it. Like, there are no other people in this book. It is just about Violet and Martin. But, you know, Caroline Linden, who I think is one of the best novella writers out there, she likes to say that and she loves writing novellas. Mm -hmm. And she likes to say that the reason why she loves writing novellas is because you can leave out all the stuff that isn't important and just focus on the two of them. And that is what Sarah Mayberry is doing here. And what that means is, like, there's not a whole lot of plot summary. Violet is best friends with Elizabeth and has been for a long time. And um, Elizabeth is engaged to Martin and has been for a couple years. Like, they've been together for five years. And their wedding is coming up in the next couple of months. And Violet and Martin are oil and water, like, just completely at odds all the time. But because they both love Elizabeth... They just kind of make do. But, you know, um, Violet is always calling him droopy drawers and like all these like. Well, because he's so stiff. And part of the reason why he is so stiff or she believes that he is so stiff is because Elizabeth, like in a fit of like drunken mistake, told Violet, you know, some number of months ago that she wasn't actually sure about their sexual compatibility her uh, elizabeth's sexual compatibility with martin because they only ever did it missionary yeah and when she sort of quietly like suggested that they explore other kinky stuff he was like no i respect you too much not even like kinky stuff just like a few different positions like just i mean some people think that's kinky i guess right it's fine we could do an interstitial on doggy style (laughs) okay anyway (laughs) Uh, words true words have never been spoken so anyway elizabeth though breaks up with martin pretty quick because she discovers that her because her book is happening yeah her book is her book's happening (laughs) But also, I mean, the truest version of Romance Reasons. Yes, like, her book is Literally, happening. her book happened already. <laughs> and so she discovered that her biological father is alive and that Martin knew about it and didn't tell her. Doesn't really kind of matter how. He knew about it and didn't tell her. And she's just like, I want to go find my father. The wedding is off. And she take, gets on a plane and goes to Australia. And Violet finds herself feeling kind of sorry for Martin. Like, even though she didn't like him, she knows that that must be really hard. Martin goes to Australia to try and, like, talk her out of it and bounces right back. And then, essentially, it is just, like, a bang fest, like, between, like, right? Yeah. <sighs> it's weird, because the, in the writing of the book, right, it is a bang fest. Like, it is just, like one scene where they do it stitched to another for many pages. But for some reason, it doesn't feel like it's not an erotic romance, I don't think. No. Because it just feels like even if they weren't banging, like, these scenes would still be in the book yeah there's something about this book that's really fascinating because it is yeah the crest part of it it is very sexy but it is not an erotic romance which we've talked about before like you sort of know when you see it and it is this is not it boy it's all about the feelings right i mean the and i think that's it the feelings are are the sexiest thing in this book so violet realizes that she feels a little sorry for martin um Even though she didn't like him, she knew that he was like a decent person who cared about Elizabeth and that this and he's also so buttoned up that this kind of thing being thrown over six weeks before the wedding and have to cancel everything and she's gone and that all of that would just be so humiliating to him. And so Mm -hmm. she goes over. This part's so fascinating to me with, like, a bottle of peach schnapps because they were out drinking at some point a year ago and he enjoyed it. And she has this – she remembers, oh, yeah, you really like the peach schnapps, so I'm going to bring you some. Mm -hmm. And it's these little moments where she starts to realize, like, why do I know all these really specific things about him? Well, he sort of – there's this very sexy moment. I mean – We're sort of jumping ahead because this book begins getting sexy from the jump. And it's – Sarah Mayberry threads a very delicate needle here because Elizabeth and Martin are together and getting married. And Violet has sort of convinced herself that she hates him. But from the moment he appears on page with her – she can feel him. Everything shifts when he is around. And so, you know, there are all sorts of moments where she is deeply aware of him in the way that like normal people are not aware of their best friends, partners. And it's risky, right? Like, this is a risky proposition for a writer and for her, Violet. This week's episode of Fated Mates is sponsored by Veronica Adler. Author of Never More Than Enemies. Okay, so this one's about celebrities. You know Woo! I love it. Madeline Guillaume has a simple philosophy, which is no outward displays of emotion uh, unless you are on stage or in front of the camera. Um, Except something goes wrong when she discovers that Gabriel Sutton is her new co-star and her new director because Maddie and Gabriel met once on a night that neither of them can forget. Um, Listen, he can't stand her and she can't stand him. And this is very much a battle of wills romance um, because these two are... Forced to work together on a film. Maddie is Gabriel's little brother's best friend. Perfect. And they have never been able. They are oil and water. So uh, we all know that when oil and water get together in a romance novel, it ends... As with her best worst mistake. A perfect week for this ad, right? Perfect. So if you are interested in Enemies to Lovers, Age Gap, Best Friends, Older Brother, and a bit of a slow burn, you should definitely check out Never More Than Enemies. It is available for you in print and ebook or with your Kindle Unlimited monthly subscription. Thank you very much to Veronica Adler for sponsoring this week's episode. I was talking to someone last week who said that they thought enemies to lovers had to be single point of view. And I was like, I don't think so. I was really interested in like that because I was like, I don't think so at all. I think that this is the perfect example for why I actually like it when it's dual point of view, because the thing is, is if it's all in your head. What is the story you're telling yourself? Now, I'm going to say something else. I was at Sherry Thomas was giving a um, talk to the Chicago North Art of like uh, Romance Writers chapter, and I sort of snuck in for the end of it. And she was talking about like sort of the our the thing we say is, you know, that like the conflict has to be sort of absolute. If she's a firefighter, he's an arsonist. Mm hmm. And what she said is she's like, that's like a great thing to say. But she said, I had a a writing partner who said like, but Sherry was explaining like, I couldn't quite get my head around it. And she said, I had a writing partner that put it to me in a way I really could understand, which is everyone tells themselves stories about who they are and what they stand for and what they believe in. Mm -hmm. And the person that is going to break through that that forces you to see your real self that's right like that's the conflict Mm -hmm. if you can't get yourself around you know your head around firefighter and arsonist you you can get your head around this is the person who breaks down that like here's who i am story you tell yourself right well that's external and internal right yes absolutely that's really interesting. I'm stuck on it has to be single POV, and I want to talk, I want to say something about that. Um, because I think that that is the hating game. Yeah, but I, right. but it also, it's not fully enemies to lovers because I think what the argument, is, I think the desire for a single point of view is you have misjudged. Their feelings. You believe they hate you, but in fact, they love you. It's a uh, Allie Hazelwood. Yeah, right. The love hypothesis. That said, in like the purest form, in its like primordial form, enemies to lovers is we are enemies. We both hate each other. So dual point of view is essential. Um, it almost feels like dual point of view is the way you take the finger on enemies' lovers. You have to make them both hate each other. Yeah. Which then delivers such an exponentially larger payoff in the end. I mean, th- this is not to say, look, I'm on the record for thinking both The Hating Game and Love Hypothesis are fucking great. But I do think like they're they are fucking great because there are two moments in those books that show you how much the heroes love the heroines in those books, right? There's the wall the color blue in the hating game and then there is um in ali hazelwood's book like there is a literal moment where uh the hero is his name adam i think his name is adam (laughs) adam driver whoever that adam driver standing like fight like literally like melts down right so we see it but the but that's not the pay that's not enemies to lovers that's the revelation that they love you. But in dual POV, you're having to reckon with loving, with falling for this person in your own feelings, which we never get in single POV. It was just in a conversation and it just kind of went by me. No, I get it. Yeah, and I was like, wait, I... I just like it when you say shit like that because I'm like, is that true? That's not true. (laughs) I mean, I look, I've written like basically only enemies to lovers, so I don't like... (laughs) And I've never written a single POV. So, yeah. I think part of the reason I was interested in it in particular is because I think, I don't think there's any rules. Like, right? I mean, I just feel like anytime no. someone's like, it can only be this way. I also think that in this particular case, the reason it works for me is because I want to know. I personally would like to know what what are they each telling each other about why they hate the other person, right? Mm-hmm. And so for Violet, it's very much about he's such a stick in the mud, and she's this bohemian free spirit. So Martin is not gentry, right? Like he's not yes. he like so Violet a climber, yeah. So Violet is her. Her family, they are not – they do not have titles, but they are very long-standing families in England, right? Like landed gentry, Fitzwilliam Darcy style, right? And so his – her parents are a particular kind of class. Martin grew up with his, like, middle class family in London. You know, he takes his mom to the Phantom of the Opera because, like, she really loves the Phantom of the Opera. Like, she – he's just, like – A good, decent son of, like, good, decent stock people. But he is, he wants that next level life. And she can see that what he wants is the life that she has basically been, like, disowned from and finds pretty traumatic. So there's that. And then at the same time, he sees her bohemian, as you said, like, kind of sexy, like, willing to kind of take risks like jump in jump leap in the net will appear right is violet's whole vibe um and he is so he hates that she has this vibe it is the antithesis of what he wants from his life and at the same time it is real sexy right she also there is also sex here is a is a conflict like Interestingly, there is a perception from Violet's, as you said, like as sh- or as Sherry said, like we tell ourselves stories, right? But there is also a sense of misunderstanding what other people's perception is of you here, yes. right? Like Violet thinks that Martin, like thinks she's slutty, like he think, like she thinks that he. Is disrespectful of her, that he judges her for like having a sexual identity, for like being into sex, for, you know, having relations, multiple relationships. She, but it's in her head. Like she thinks this about him. Right. Her skirts are too short. Her, right. All of that stuff. But what we come to realize is that she has sort of processed this as the way that he thinks of her because he can't stop looking at her right? Like he can't stop looking at the way her skirts fit her. He can't stop thinking about like what it would be like to touch her, to kiss her. Like the fact that there's this great line where he's like, why can I smell your perfume days later after we've been together? Like why? Why do I know all this about you? That's when the We're back to the schnapps. It's the, why did you bring me schnapps? Right, like I know these details, right, that other people don't. I think the other thing though that I really did, so I mean, I found myself thinking a lot about conflict in general, right, in this book because it's fascinating the way the conflict plays out. It is all internal pretty much, right, Mm -hmm. entirely. Um, I found myself also really fascinated by the fact that Even though they have this incendiary, like, sort of chemistry where they dislike each other, neither one of them ever used Elizabeth as a pawn against the other. So there's a way in which you can, I mean, and that's, I think, the other thing about enemies to lovers that has to, that I'm fascinated by, which is, like, where can you take the hits She's used she has armor for people who think I'm slutty because of what happened with her family. Essentially, her father married this woman um, who had then had younger daughters and she was like this bad influence. And then she's like, fine, you think I'm a bad influence? I will be a bad influence. Mm -hmm. So she has a lot of armor for that. She's built it up over her entire life. So Martin's hits or her perceived hits in that area cannot really touch her. But, like, had Martin said, like, you're a bad influence on Elizabeth, they Mm -hmm. never would have had a future. And I Mm -mm. think that's the part that's also really important is it's kind of like it. I think it does such a great job of showing. I don't know, like, even in Enemies to Lovers, there are things that would be forbidden, right, that would be unforgivable, that you couldn't move past. Yeah, well, because he's never. He judges her behavior, but he doesn't judge her character. Right. And fundamentally, they both – the only reason why they tolerate each other is because they both understand how very much they each love Elizabeth. And there is that moment when uh, he shows up, obviously, like, ragged at her house after Elizabeth leaves him and he's like where is she? Like I know you're hiding her. And she's like initially she says um I'm not going to tell you like if she didn't tell you then I'm not going to tell you. And then she says all right I'll tell you cuz I know how much you love her. Like I know. You're you're you have to know. You are they are each keenly aware that the other is fundamentally decent because they have this shared admiration for Elizabeth. And at the same time For Violet, now this is the part that's really interesting because you're like, okay, so what's the conflict then? Now, again, this book is fast moving, right? Like it really moves super fast. So the breakup happens. He goes to try and find Elizabeth. He comes back and it's over. She like reaches out to him once. Like then he goes back to her, like whatever. But the conflict for her is... I am betraying Elizabeth. Even though she dumped him, it is still not okay. And the reason it's not okay is because she knows she's been into him all along. Yeah, there's this great moment, like right after they're about to do it, or right <laughs> before they're about to do it, where she thinks, where, it, you know, the text is, I think, like, Violet had waited so long so long like she'd wanted this for so long yes and it's it's brutal right because it feels like you can totally understand her her frustration and her fear and her guilt and all of it right but at the same time like oh it's so good and then so they do it real hot oh uh, let's like okay fast sex. and furious talking about this evolution of sex in this book hmm yep because they, And it's, like, a shame. It's shameful. Like, yes. like they, they fuck, and it is, like, quick and dirty. And then he gets the hell out. Well, not because she is hiding in the bathroom. Yeah, she leaves. <laughs> she goes into the bathroom and locks herself in and is basically like, please let him leave, please let him leave. And then she hears the door closing. She hears the door. And then from his point of view, we get him thinking, like, I waited five minutes, and I hope that was enough. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, like, I mean, like, it was, like, they just... Both of them, they, their brains break. Yes. Right? Yes. And then Martin. It's so hot. Yeah. Oh, he sends her flowers. Martin sends flowers the next day. And she throws with them card away. a card that says, I'm sorry, <laughs> it won't happen again. Which gentleman out there? Let me tell you. Literally anybody. Just <laughs> humans. Humans out there. Don't ever send that. No. Don't ever send those flowers. That's not smart. Poor dummy. What a dummy. But listen, here's what I want to say. You said her conflict was, you know, guilt. His internal conflict here is that when he is with Violet, he is not Martin as he knows Martin. She unlocks him in a way that he is not comfortable with at the very beginning. Where he really, like, thinks to himself... And I was fascinated by this. Like, I've spent my whole life trying to achieve these things and, like, sort of get to this tier of society and be accepted in this way. And I can't unmake this bet. Almost. No. Right? But then, <laughs> what's, oh, it's so well done because you can't have him... Again, it's a real struggle keeping a character in that space for too long, because if they stay there for too long, you can't, one, you can't move the story forward, but two, like, you can't make them really, you can't really get them into the romance very well. So he sort of initially is like, "Uh, who am I, right? Who am I with Violet? And then you get the sense that, and this is a POV thing that's really definitely done, is... You really only see the waffling when you're in Violet's point of view. So, again, you can't really tell what's actually going on in Martin's mind when you're in Violet's point of view. But when it switches, they're at a dinner party. And he's ignoring her. He's ignoring her. And Violet decides, like, but then as she's leaving the room, she leaves the room to go to the bathroom and she looks over her shoulder. And she sees that like as she's leaving, he is watching her. Like he cannot. And she's like, and it's fire. Yes. And she's like, oh, he's not ignoring me. He can't. He knows that anyone who sees us will figure it out. Like there is no hiding what it is. So she takes off. She does what any of course self-respecting human would do in this scenario. I loved it. She so takes much. off her underpants returns to the dinner table says oh you've dropped your napkin <laughs> leans down and he and now we're in martin's pov yes right and he's like i haven't dropped my napkin my napkin has been here on my lap covering my erection for hours <laughs> hours like. hours i'm gonna and die she's like, she's like here you go and she drops something in his pocket <laughs> and then keeps going his suit jacket pocket. By the way, this is why all men should wear suit jacket pockets at all times in case in case someone wants to put the their situation in there has to do. So then she goes around, she sits across from him, and they continue this lovely meal, and he's like, I can't put my hand in my pocket yet. Because like and then you're just in his head. This is your phone booth, Jen. Like, yeah, it is. We're so deep in his POV and all he can think about is what the fuck did this woman put in my pocket? And then he reaches in there. And he's, and just McCree's brain. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Steamy Lit Con, a romance reader convention on August 18th and 19th in Anaheim, California. The Steamy Light Con is celebrating diversity in romance. And the thing is is we all just want to be hanging out with other romance readers. I know. I'm so excited for there to be a conference to go to. Exactly. And to have it be on the West Coast, we've heard from lots of our listeners that, you know, Fated Mates Live has been really fun, but it's A few hours, it's on the East Coast, and now you can just put it in your veins for 48 hours straight. So, Mm -hmm. And so many of our favorite people people are going to be there. And your listeners' favorite authors. Yes, and you, Sarah McLean. Including me. Yes. And Christina Lauren, and Adriana Herrera, and andy christopher and others yeah so many so if you are interested in finding out more go to steamylitcon.com and click on the author page to see the amazing list of authors the faq and the schedule and you can buy a ticket but we also have a very cool opportunity for you Yes, uh, the the founders of Steamy LitCon are offering one free ticket to Faded Mates listeners uh, as part of a sweepstakes that they're running. You can enter the sweepstakes for this free ticket on our website at FadedMates.net. There's a landing uh, right there on the landing page. There is a button that you can click that says enter the giveaway, Uh, hit that button, enter the giveaway and one lucky listener will win tickets to steamy lit con which is great yeah and if you've never had a chance to hang out with a bunch of romance people at a romance convention trust me you are going to have a great time so everybody um thank you to steamy lit con for um, sponsoring this week's episode and for giving this amazing opportunity to one of our listeners for uh, to win a free ticket the winner will be chosen wednesday may 17th and you'll hear directly from steamy lit when that happens Thanks to Steamy Lit for sponsoring the episode. I think the other thing that I really enjoy about Enemies to Lovers, and I this book made me realize it, and it's why I like the dual point of view, is that it requires jockeying, right? Like, so at the dinner party, she really feels like, oh, he doesn't want me and he's... You know, like he's ignoring me and this is, I'm like humiliated and I'm right. And then the minute he, she sees that look, she's like, oh no, I'm in the driver's seat now. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the way that the power move, like the power shifts between them, like that's the whole ball game in Enemies to Lovers. And there's something so awesome about the way this plays out. So they leave the party together. Well, first they have this like dance, like, God, it's so sexy. They just like (laughs) I fuck each other across the table. There's this great moment where, like, (laughs) there's this great paragraph, and it's you know Violet. They they're playing this game, like of hot glances and subtle gestures. She fingers the stem of her wine glass, then touches the neckline of her dress. He slides his hand into his pocket and feels the silk of her underwear and won't let her look away. And then she sucks on the tip of an asparagus spear. Oh, God, and he yes. licks the cream off a bright red raspberry. And, like, I'm <laughs> like, oh, my God, I need a, a cold shower, right? Like, it's so hot. And yes. I want to just pause for a moment. And I know this is not your jam, Jen, but there is so much sexy food business in this novella. That, like, if you're into cooking or food at all, if you like me, food is your love language, this one's for you. Because there's another whole scene that we won't get into where he makes actually dinner. cooks her dinner yeah. on Christmas. And it is astounding. Yes. This scene is so perfect, though, because it really, I don't know. I mean, again, this is like the craft. That one paragraph does more uh, to communicate sexual than whole tension books. than entire books. It's like, yes, a masterclass. Yes, and the pacing of it, the cadence of the words, the choices of the uh-huh. uh, of the things she's talking about. Yes. Oh my god, it's so well because you know what it is. You talked earlier about how aware they are of each other, right? Mm-hmm. This paragraph lets it in. Us in on the awareness, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's so muscular, (laughs) like it's so physical. Stunning, it is. It's great. So they get out. They, he's like, I got to leave early. I have a meeting. She goes out with him, and they like walk to his car, and he like clicks the locks, and she just walks and just goes right to the back seat, just. Opens the back seat of the like and gets in, like just I know exactly what we're about to do on this fucking street. Yeah, in this Jaguar, <laughs> that's they And he takes off his coat and his suit coat and gets in the back seat with her, and then it is like bam, yeah. And it feels like this is the moment where Martin shifts. All of the like stick up his butt stuff is just gone, like. Oh, yeah. He is now the kind of guy who fucks in the backseat of his Jaguar. And, like, if I'm remembering correctly, like, performs oral sex first and then they have sex, correct? Yeah. Well, he takes good care of her. No, he doesn't go down on her there. The first time he goes down on her oh, he is right. with the mango. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. There's just so much good food stuff in this book. Oh, God. Okay. So then they're I forget where they are. Yeah. It doesn't matter. At this point, it's just like. It's constant in the sense that they must be in her house. He knocks on her door. Like, he comes to her house. Yeah. And he, like, walks. Like, at this point, it's like they're so hot for each other. Like, they just can't. When they're separated, they can't stop thinking about each other. And so, like, they're like magnets. They just are constantly being drawn to each other. Yes. And, um... So he comes into her house or maybe it's in the store. I can't remember. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And she has been um, slicing a piece of fruit. Like sure. She's been cutting a man. She cut a mango. Right. Yep. And then he like walks in and inter- interrupts her and he says like, um, you know, she starts to like unzip his pants. They're like making out and she starts to unzip his pants and he's like, no. And he lifts her up onto the counter. And there's like a mango. A yes, cut mango she had like, next, like half of it, right? Next to her, next to him, and she and he—he's like, is you know, is this a mango? And and she says yes. And then he like studies her, like open and wearing no clothes mm-hmm. on the counter, and then he puts the mango against her, oh, and yeah. like gets her all like juicy. And then goes down on her in, like, the most magnificent. Yeah, I mean, it's so earthy. Literally. Uh, he's so not Martin. Right. This is right. not a man who is exclusively into missionary. Right. Suddenly, like, right. You're like what? this is a man who has read every book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should have said, y'all, headphones hardcore <laughs> in on this whole episode. I'm so sorry. I wasn't expecting to just, you know. Go into the mango with such Listen, a verb. That mango scene was top notch. Mangoes are expensive, too. It's like an investment. <laughs> okay. They are. They're very expensive. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I just feel like they're delicious and I love them. So it's worth it. Yeah. Okay. Here's the part that then is kind of interesting that I also want to talk about, which is like essentially like debt issues. Right? Mm-hmm. So... Not the good kind. Not the good kind. Okay, can I make a small detour? (laughs) Yeah. Tiny, tiny small detour since we're being real dirty. Um, (laughs) I was rereading Heaven, Texas this week, which is one of my all-time favorite Susan Elizabeth Bobby Tom. Bobby Tom Denton. And I completely forgotten that he is an actor. Like, he was a football player and now he's in a movie. And his co-star is lactating and he's so grossed out by it. Bobby Tom is not into adult fashion. He's not Derek Craven. No, we're going to put him on the no side of that. Bobby Tom was not written by Sandra Brown. No. <laughs> here's, okay, so here's what he's going to say about daddy issues. Wait, what does that have to do with Bobby Tom? It doesn't. It's just, just a decide. I told you it was a decide. It was completely okay. separate. Okay. Just a pause for a Bobby Tom acknowledgement. Got it. Elizabeth's grandfather has been Martin's like mentor. And one of the things you realize is part of the reason he was, like, treating Elizabeth a certain way was because he was really never, never able, and he has to come to this realization, right? Like, even though, you know, it's over for him and he understands it, part of his arc is also really, like, understanding the part he played, right, in that. Mm -hmm. And when he... um. He kind of realizes, like, I never treated Elizabeth like a real person. He thinks back on that conversation that we've heard about from Violet's point of view in his own, like, with shame. Like, she asked for something that he'd done with other women, and he was, Mm -hmm. like, he had, like, babied her. And it was all because he had sort of stepped into this patriarchal way of treating her the way that her grandfather treated her. Mm -hmm. And... It's And he, the way he sort of makes restitution for that is essentially by, like, going to the grandfather who's his boss and being like, you know what, we're fine. Like, Elizabeth didn't do anything wrong and I'm great and we just need to, like, be okay with it. And it's the first time you really see him treating his, like, mentor as an equal. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's, like, his arc. The other thing I really appreciated about this book is that... So he's been really, like, jonesing to get into this, like, you know, club, Skull and Bone Society, or whatever it's called. um. And he and, Sh- and Violet, he is invited, essentially, as, like, a, you know. Which Violet's family has been a member yes, of for, like, forever. generations. Yeah. So they go to this dinner, and it's really interesting because she never thinks once about the fact that her her father might be there at this event, right? She just really is like it's important to Martin and what should I wear and and if she is thinking about it, it is not revealed to us, right? Well, what she does say to him beforehand is I I I won't embarrass you there. Like she's so keenly aware of like how he perceived her before. And this is the hurdle that they have to get over for them to live happily ever after. Like, she has to believe that Martin is no longer in judgment of her. This week's episode of Fated Mates is sponsored by Lumi Labs, creators of Microdose Gummies. So we... Everybody knows we love this product. Microdosing is something that is available nationwide. You can just do a quick search for um, Microdosing THC or go to Microdose.com to find out more about it. But there's lots of really specific ways that it has like worked for me in my life. Um, the biggest one is and like just the other night, sometimes I forget like I have a bad night's sleep and then I'm like, I'm just going to take a gummy I keep them right by my bedside. And you know what? it is terrific. I just fall right asleep. And so, you know, there's a lot of different ways that they work for folks. So, you know, performance, creative boost, just sort of like, you know, pain or anxiety that feels a little unmanageable. Um, Workout and recovery maybe like anxiety. I've also said that um, I like to take one before I go to the airport to just chill me out ever so slightly. I had one the other night. I took one the other night before we went to a comedy show. Eric was like, maybe you should have one of these. It was pretty funny on its own, though. I mean, who can say? Anyway, microdose gummies are available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use the code FATEDMATES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in show notes. But again, that's microdose.com, code FATEDMATES. And thanks, as always, to Lumi Labs for sponsoring the episode. By the way, this is, like, the the one false note in this book, the 10-year-old part of it is, like, the fat shaming, right? So her stepmother and father show up and, like, Martin kind of makes fun of her stepmom for being, liking her chocolate, whatever. Like, it's just, I'm going to let it go, but it's there. But um, the thing I really appreciated was that this book did not try to redeem her father. mm And I feel like there is a way in which romance often packages the hea with a belief that like that means the family of origin stuff has to be straightened out and this book didn't i really liked that this book was like not even trying her dad i think is a jerk and makes, like, an overture towards her, ignores her, but then clearly kind of maybe has, like, this plan for how he's going to address her. And Martin can just tell that there is, that it is, that it has essentially broken her heart, right, to have her father ignore her. And he just looks at this guy and he's like, you're an asshole, (laughs) right? And they get up and they leave. Mm -hmm. And this... It's such an amazing moment because he is walking away from this club for her, Mm -hmm. right? But it's also the end of like his journey where he's like, wait, there are things about my life that maybe are done and I've just made these choices, but I don't need to – this is like a no-brainer. This thing I've wanted forever is nothing compared to how – the experience that Violet has had here. And would continue well, to have here, right? And that scene begins, you know, multiple chapters before on Christmas night,
1: yes. on Christmas day,
0: mm-hmm. right? So, I had forgotten this book.
1: It I want to talk about time. Christmas. Yeah, I want to talk right? about
0: time. Um, well, do you want to do that now? No, you go ahead. Okay, and then we'll talk about. Time. Um, I I had forgotten that that the, this book covered Christmas. Um, and we see, you know, there's so much time. There's a lot of time stuff that Jim will talk about. Um, but what we discover is that uh Martin always goes and has like Christmas lunch with his mom and he always buys her an extravagant gift. This is where we decide we discover that he's bought her tickets to Phantom of the Opera again because she loves it so much and and he'll go with her again, even though he doesn't like it. Right. And um and she sort of they have this kind of discussion about it and he says, And what about you? You know, lots of family stuff, like eating turkey curry, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, um, yeah, I guess she's like, Yeah, yeah I guess sure. I could say that, that kind of stuff. right. And then he leaves and he go they separate for Christmas. He has his day with Christmas. And then he's like, I can't again, I can't stop thinking about her. Like the person I want to be with tonight on Christmas is violet so he goes to her house well he just drives by and he sees that the lights are on and she's there so he rings the bell and she opens the door and she looks pretty ragged like rough for wear because she's just talked to elizabeth who has said i'm in love and i'm staying right is that right? I don't know. I might be off on this. Whatever. She feels very lonely, though, because she doesn't have her family. Elizabeth isn't there. It's clear that she has always spent Christmas with Elizabeth in some way. Um. And so she's sad. And he's like, I thought you were going out. You said you were going out. And she was like, I never really said I was going out. And then he was she's like, it doesn't matter if I've been out. And he's like, it matters if you have been alone all day. On Christmas. Like, that matters. And then, however, whatever, two, three chapters later, we see this scene. Well, so no, she says, we're going to go out. Get Put your clothes on, we're going out. And she's like, nothing's open. He's like, you'd be surprised. But he then takes her to his home, right? And he cooks And he cooks for her. her for her. And it's like great it's a great meal everyone like this is not just like i'm heating up like leftover pot pie this she's is like, like you a can real really cook right he makes her cocoa vin and so he she finds the invitation but she's like well that's months from now and you know we'll be have burned out that like you know but she's more like i'm happy he was invited and i bet he's really excited about it there is a way in which time These books give their, these romances a lot of time, right? This, this one, it's six months, like essentially things don't resolve until June. Um, You know, so they are going from November, December, all the way till June. In Heaven, Texas, it's like an entire summer that they are on set. And so there'll be times where it's like a month later or weeks later. And it was really interesting to me because I've been thinking a lot lately about how Like, the current iteration of romance, there's – you just don't see that anymore. It's like, if I can't make this happen in a couple of weeks, it must not be happening. And I found myself really thinking, and I was texting with Kate this morning about, like, kind of, like, why? Like, what has changed in the way that we move through time in a romance And it's just, you know, because there's no reason why you can't say a month later and let us know that, like, okay, things are continuing in this vein and now it's a month later. Like, why don't we do that anymore? So I said I think part of it is, I think, related to a kind of way in which insta-love as, like, a trope has really overtaken, like, romance. Like, right? If you don't know right away, then then it's not going to happen. Um, I think that, right, so it's also related then to, like, conflict, the way people write conflict, right? So it's, like, if we just know right away that we're in love, then we should be able to, like, fix everything. I think it's also related to the way many books are written in present tense. I think lots of authors, as a, like, from a craft perspective, have a harder time moving big leaps forward in present tense. So I think Mm -hmm. it's just might be related to like kind of a narrative style that's happening. Kate made a great point about like a 21st century sense of doom, right? Like just like, Mm. but I also think in general, I don't know. It's about society. Just, I don't know. I think we're less, I think we're less patient with each other. Just overall. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I have never written a book where they fall in love in longer than a month, right? Like, my my books are always very short right. time periods. And I, so I, stylistically, I think it is just, it is a hallmark of a McLean novel that it's going to be fast and right. furious. Right. Um, possibly because of plot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's um, the part that's interesting when, in a way... I'm like, if it's internal conflict, then it can take as long as you want. It can take as long as you want. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. When you were right, originally talking about it, I was, of course, thinking about it as somebody who always writes a fast book. Yeah. Right? Right? It, it, if you establish a plot, like there's a mystery or there's a thing that they have to do or there's yes. like a tick, a ticking clock. Yes. There's a goal. Right? We have to reach Which resist, is a very right? classic way of thinking about conflict. There is a ticking clock. Yes. In order for us to feel like that is an important, that is a real boundary, it has to be a tight time frame. Yes. Right? There's some concrete ending, right? I've been thinking a lot about time recently in the reverse because I've read a number of books over the last, say, six months where the last two or three chapters elide time. In a very significant way. It's been three months. It's been 16 months. It's been, and we just lose, and often it's post-breakup to resolution of breakup, right? So there is a third act breakup, but it- It's solved by time as opposed to being solved by discussion, right? And I sort of wonder if it has to do with how realistic the books are in the sense of there is a lack of fantasy in a lot of present day romance meaning like romance that has been written over the last however many years and I think that is partially about like this impending sense of doom like I think fantasy is we haven't We've sort of danced around this on the podcast, but, like, one of the things that I've thought a lot about recently, because we talk so much about historical being fantasy, is, like, contemporary almost isn't anymore. Like, oh yeah, just a, like, quiet happily ever after seems fantastical in its own – in itself, which is very depressing when you actually sort of think hard about it. But – so I think, like, there is a sense of, like, well, it, w- it just wouldn't be realistic for two days later for them to – meet back up again and therefore so this feels very grown up this yes book. well and i think that is the part where you you talk about conflict all the time i think about conflict all the time like what is why can't these two be together right now right mm. and what or what is it that is like mentally keeping them from fully committing in this case because they're together right they're together but they're not There's still something that is out there right and it takes a while for them to unpack it and it's so they're grown-ups yes and that's the thing that i feel like i really enjoyed right so when they get to the her parents or at this her terrible stepmother and her father at this thing and they, they just like blow out of there and then like later they have a fight and and you know violet is like i guess it's over now and this is like one of my favorite moments in the book is, and I have this moment where I was like, this book does not really have a third act breakup because in a weird way, the Elizabeth has been broken up the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so he is like, what the hell is she talking about? And he realizes like every single person who has ever loved her has abandoned her. And if I let her walk out the door right now, I'm never going to get her back. And I have to show her we can fight without breaking up. That I will still love you. And it mm-hmm. is one of the most powerful, like, restorative moments in any romance I've ever read. But it mm-hmm. it's... Because it's, he sees her. Yes. Right? Because it's not two people just like spinning around near each other yeah they see each other yeah. they understand each other which is the whole ball game right and all of the ways in which this book it, is short as it is shows us this like the scene kind of going wrong the first time and then going right the second time right mm-hmm. so the first you know the first time they actually go out to dinner and they run into someone they know and violet kind of lies about how they got there and then you know, at the end when they're in the airport and they're going to like he has to help her because she broke her ankle. She was going to finally just tell Elizabeth in person. And then, you know, he's like, you go ahead. And that way, you know, they won't, she won't. Elizabeth won't know we're together. And she's like, no, you have to come with me. Yeah, right. We are together. We are together. And I'm i we're going to it's this is how it's going to go. But. You, I as a reader needed to see a lifetime's worth of angst and anxiety and like sort of beliefs about who they were, like slowly over time, right? Coming undone. Yes. And that's what I think is so. That's what I think like internal conflict needs. It went truly internal. Like, I have to move past this thing I'm telling myself about myself. Mm-hmm. Cannot be done in three weeks. No, and so and so. Then I was like, well, maybe internal conflict. Maybe people are just not writing inter- as much internal conflict. Maybe that's why, or they're not lingering on it enough in the text. I think there are a lot of things. I I'm sure we could come up with examples, right? I mean, I'm just saying, everybody, like this is on my brain this week because I read these two books that both really let let characters exist at a place for a while right but i will say this this book sarah mayberry's book oh yeah is 80% internal conflict yeah i mean like there's basically nothing no there's certainly no overarching external conflict once we know that elizabeth's fallen in love with right her dude in australia right so yeah yeah. I mean, internal conflict allows us to linger. Yeah. And I do think that there is an internal conflict problem right now in romance. Yeah. Which is probably going to get me in trouble, but I don't know. Who am I? I'm just one person. Well, I think one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot, and again, it was like but because of this book and because of my work editing and because of other books I've been reading is – because of tweets I've been seeing, right? When we want people to be perfect from the jump, to only say the right things, right. to be able to perfectly communicate with people, right? Like, Well, there, we're also in a place, we're in a really, really interesting place where people, where characters are being leashed in terms of self confidence and self uh yes. love and i mean that is that is a huge issue for me like as a writer right like i like to write characters who don't always think that they're perfect yeah and there is a lot of there are there's a lot of there are a lot of voices and a lot of noise around like well i don't like it when my character doesn't when a character you know isn't fully self-confident. And it's like, well, I've never met a person in the world who is fully self-confident. Certainly not in the last three years. So, Right. So it's Um. like, so, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this, right? And I think this is like my thing related to time. And this is like the craft, right? Like I'm, I'm really thinking about this as like a craft issue. If what you want as a reader is I don't want any conflict. I want these people to be able to talk to each other perfectly. I want them to be able to communicate and know exactly what they want and understand themselves fully. Well, they're going to meet someone else and they click together like two pieces of puzzle and that's it. Like, I guess that could happen in five fucking minutes. Right. I don't know. Right. Right. And so time is what you need when you are really deciding. Who am I? Who is, who is this person? Who are we together? What's it going to cost me? Right. How is this making me afraid? Right. I mean, and it doesn't have to be time. No. It could just be internal awareness. Of course. Anyway, Sarah Mayberry does it great, everyone. That's what we're trying to say here. It's really, it's terrific. It's a terrific book. I haven't read the other one. Have you read the other one? I haven't, but you know, I'm about to buy it because I, like, every time I read this, I'm like, why haven't I read the other one? I know. It's wild. You know, the world. Um anyway, a real treat and a quick one. This is not
1: no 700
0: pages. No. It's a tight 150. Yeah, it's really really fast, right? Um but it's great and I'm going to put it on my uh annual Christmas rereads. Cuz it is very charming. It's like imagine Bridget Jones's diary but Mr. Darcy and Bridget are really at each other's throats even more. You know, my favorite like little detail in this book is like what Martin worked in insolvency. I like highlighted it because it just like me. I was like, what the fuck does it mean to work in insolvency? And did you learn I don't know some British way of saying businesses that are like breaking yep. up? Right. Or like going yep. out of going bankrupt. Sure. He's like Richard Gere in um, Pretty Woman. Sure. That's what Pretty Woman does. Yeah. He buys companies and he breaks them up. Yeah. I and he never he never built anything. But this which is he talks like about with his therapist a lot. We yeah. We should do we should do a Pretty Woman read along for Banter Plus. We I I think the thing that, again though like the thing that's amazing about this book is when it is the internal conflict is so strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are barely other characters. We get a mm-hmm. hint of what they do at work. Right, but it is these two either Violet on page together has, or thinking about each other. That's it. Violet has a boutique. It's called Violet Femmes. I know, adorable, adorable. Ooh. Anyway, speaking of which, can I just say it was Independent Bookstore Day the other day, and Kelly and I went to a bookstore called Exile in Bookville, which is yeah. Ooh. a Liz like a Liz Fair reference, and. It was it's like a little bookstore right on Michigan Avenue, like in this really cool building where they also film Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And it was an awesome bookstore. And I ran into some woman who was talking about romance. And she was like, I was like, oh, she's like, I'm going to I was like, she we started chatting. And Kelly was like, you're so fucking weird and dumb. She was like, this is Jen <laughs> from Faded Mates. And this girl was like, oh, my God. So anyway, it was really cool. And. I was like, Exile in Bookville is, like, a cute name for a bookstore. That is very cute. I love it. Did they carry romance? They did. You know what? Here's what I liked. Their fiction room was everything just together, right? So even though there was not a romance section, they had a lot of romance on the shelf. But, like, horror was in there. It was just, like, here's the fiction. And so it felt very democratic in that way. It's a small. This bookstore has, like, three rooms. like a little city bookstore well I love an independent bookstore that carries romance as you know um okay so that's our episode for the day you should all go read her best worst her best worst mistake because it's a delight um this is Faded Mates I'm Sarah McLean I'm here with my friend Jen Prokop you can uh find us every week at FetaMates.net find us on Twitter at Fetamates, on Instagram at Pod, or at our Patreon, which you can find more information on at, Fetamates. at Fetamates.net slash Patreon. Um, thanks to our sponsors this week, Lumi Labs, creators of Microdose Gummies, use the code FATAMates for 30% off your order and free shipping. For Thanks to Veronica Adler and to Steamy as a reminder, if you uh, would like uh, to be entered into sweepstakes for a ticket to Stimulate, you can find that at uh under show notes for this episode. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.